And the Holy Gospel is written in the ninth chapter of, according to St. Mark, beginning at the 38th verse. Glory to you. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have, and, than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its saltness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. <coughs> Praise to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I recently read about a man who had researched Christian denominations. He came up with 33,000 Christian denominations worldwide. Here are some examples. The Church of Kennedy worshipers. They worship John F. Kennedy. They believe that prayers to him will heal disease. There's the Church of the Ministry of Universal Wisdom. They're awaiting and looking for the arrival of flying saucers. The Church of what's happening now. Well, the Bible tells us to live today, doesn't it? But they, this group sounds more like something from Doonesbury or Farside or something that Garrison Keeler would come up with. Then there are the more, more normal denominations, the Lutherans, the Catholics, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, the Episcopalians, the Baptists. And then you can break those down, can't you? The Northern Baptists, the Southern Baptists, the General Baptists, the particular Baptist, the Seventh Day and Hearts Shell Baptist, the Free Will, Duck River and Kindred Baptists, and there's the Two Seed in the Spirit Baptists, whatever that is. And I know I probably have missed a few because he didn't list the American Baptists, which are the oldest and most venerable of that group. And before we smile too much and get too smug, we know that there are three major Lutheran groups in the United States, and lots and so many smaller ones that it begins to look like alphabet soup when we start to listen. So we're certainly not immune from splinter groups either. 
There are many variations of doing things in the name of Jesus, aren't there? Our gospel text this morning puts it this way. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a, a deed of power in my name will, will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. So, you see, Jesus is continuing to teach these hard-headed disciples and us. This time, he's talking about what it means to serve in his name. You know, the disciples think they're a select group, a few special ones. They want to keep their association with Jesus to themselves. But Jesus makes the point that if you associate with his name, you will be affected positively, and you will reach out in whatever way you can. You see, if we focus on Jesus, the greatest servant, we'll become more like him, day by day, day after day. Even in our day of denominationalism, I think we have to give way to serving others together. To be sure, we, we should and can be true to our Lutheran roots, just as others, I think, should be true to theirs. A Baptist is a Baptist. A Lutheran should be a Lutheran. A Catholic should be a Catholic. We must, we must be what we are. But I think we're also called to work together to call others in Christ's name. However, to become more like our Lord, I think we must put our lives in order. And that's another thing Jesus is about in this lesson. To do that, to put our lives in order, we have to put Christ first. As human beings, we're all, we always want to find peace in things other than God, other than in Christ. It's our fallen nature. Luther called it the old Adam in us. There's simply no other way to God. We first have to come to put Jesus first, to put God first. Nothing else works. Not material things, not power, not pride, not religious religions focused on things other than the Lord, like JFK or flying saucers. Nothing that we can do can take that place. We can't gather stuff in order to find our way. There's a bumper sticker I saw, I've seen, you may have seen it too. The one who dies with the most toys wins. No, actually, the one who dies with the most toys dies. Somebody else gets the toys. <laughs> so God and Christ comes first. And that's the most difficult thing that we have to do as human beings. Because all sin is based on human pride, human ego. It is our tendency in us to rebel against God, or, to, or worse, to act as if we are God. So putting God first, living in Jesus' name, is our call. That's why Jesus makes such a big point of this in the Gospel he talks about stumbling blocks. He talks about children. He talks about millstones. 
talks about saltness and all and, and of doing really unspeakable things to ourselves. The lesson seems so disjointed and unconnected in some ways, but Jesus is making the point that I made earlier. Anything that gets in the way of living and doing in his name has got to go. Jesus said some nice things about people doing good deeds in his name. He makes some nice statements about loving children. Then he seems to go off track. And he says some really crazy things about hands and feet and eyes that cause us to stumble. But not by not putting God first. So what's he getting to? Taken to their literal conclusion, we, we, we would have to maim and kill ourselves. There are groups, you know, that, that believe that they're so close to God that they can handle poisonous snakes without trouble and all that kind of thing. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And unless we're some sort of emotionally disturbed fundamentalist or snake handler, we know that Jesus is using hyperbole. He's using extreme exaggeration to make a point. Now, follow this logic. We should remove what causes us to sin. That makes sense. What's the greatest cause of sin? Our pride, our ego. That makes sense. Where does that pride and ego come from? It comes from our heart. It comes from our head. That's true, too. So the logic would be that if we remove our heart and our brains, we're going to be okay. We're also going to be dead. That's pretty fine. And that makes no sense. No, Jesus is using this exaggeration to make his point that we must put God first. Loving God and neighbor is our first priority. One cannot live a life in Christ without the right kind of spiritual relationship. Without Christ, what Luther called and what I mentioned before called the old Adam in us, Without Christ, that takes over, and we turn away from God. And you know, we can dress him up, that old Adam, in all kinds of fancy duds and all kinds of glitzy jewelry and other things. We can dress him up with our ego, but he's still a rebel. He's still the old Adam. He still thinks he's more important than God. God calls us to be totally His, not just a part or some other part, but totally His, body, mind, and spirit. Of course, which one of us is perfect, or ever would be in that situation? Not one. Raise your hand. It's not possible for us in this life to be perfect, to perfectly follow our Lord. But as we live and as we share and as we love in Christ, we move closer to what God would have us be. We confess and receive grace in our baptism. And we do all the good we can in Jesus' name. But I'm not going to minimize how hard that is. It's really tough. To live the life Jesus would have us live. That old Adam always pops up. That old ego always gets in the way. Those old things always interfere. 
So we have a daily struggle to follow Christ. And our human failings get in the way every time. You know, there's nothing we can do to be righteous. Somebody once said, because we are, we can't do anything to be righteous because we are already saved by God's grace. Somebody once said, now that you don't have to do anything to be saved, what are you going to do? There's a story told about Winston Churchill, the great man, also a man with a really big ego. He's very strong-willed. He's also very conservative. And he was wrong about this. But Winston Churchill was opposed to women's suffrage. And he came up against Lady Astor, who was not opposed to women's suffrage. She was part of the movement. She reportedly said to him, Sir, if I was your wife, I would put poison in your tea. He replied, Madam, if I was your wife, I would drink it. <laughs> people with those such strong, self-confident egos, can And we must, but we must work to balance that self-confidence with God's call to use our talents that we have in service to others, while still trying to avoid that self-serving, self-centered egotism. That's so hard. But then, we should be confident. We should be self-confident in Christ. Not as a means to impress God, but as a path to take on our spiritual growth. Our call is to get on the road, to walk with Jesus. A wise old farmer once told this story as an example of how we walk with God, how we get to where we need to be toward God, with God. He said, there are three routes to town. The high road for the hills, the valley road along the river, and the meadow road through the pastures. When I take my grain to the grain buyer in town, he doesn't care which road I took to get there. He doesn't ask me which road I took, although I prefer the high road because it's beautiful and restful. But the merchant doesn't care as long as my grain is good. Jesus' point to the disciple and Mark's point to the church is this. As long as our route is toward God, as long as our route is with God, as long as we journey in Jesus' name while serving others in Christ's name, the path we get there is not the most important thing. It is the walk with Christ that is the most important. We sin. We fail. We may fall flat on our face spiritually. But in God's forgiving grace, we get up and we get moving again. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding in our hearts and our minds.
we sing together verses 1 to 3.